I think Houston is going to do whatever it takes to get Bryce Young. The Bears, I feel like they're you're going to see the Bears trade back. So I got Chicago moving the pick. I got to move them back one spot, and it's it's juicy. They're going to get the second overall pick. They're going to get the third. Welcome into a special mock edition of the Pinewood Perspective. We got the expert of the draft, knows all, Thomas Gorski. And, you know, he's our usual co-host. How you doing, Thomas? It's been a while. I'm doing good, man. You know, this is my favorite time of the year, man. We get to see these prospects and the future of the NFL. And I am so excited to just dive on in and talk about an exciting week that we have ahead of us. Combine starts tomorrow. Just four days of just football testing, just straight football guys. Just anyone watching, if you're watching the combine this weekend, man, you are a football guy. The combine is it's it's such a beautiful thing. It's so quiet. It's like watching a golf match. These players need peace and quiet. You think about an NFL game. You think about even the draft, even like how loud and how the fans have such an impact on it. And then you watch the combine and like go into the combine as well. It's like, everyone's whispering, you know, the small little claps after a 40 time little woos on a fast 40. Like it's such a beautiful thing about the sport and how everyone is just so detailed and so quiet. It It's the beauty of this game as well. You know, you get that aspect of it because you don't see that anywhere else. The draft is crowded with millions of people and there's such a fandom to it. Same with, you know, obviously every single game. The combine is such a beautiful thing. And then we open up free agency just only two weeks after that. Everything is falling into place now. Finally, tags are starting to come out. How many days they got left on the tag? Tomorrow or is today? Uh, They might have another week. They have another week. Tuesday. There's a two-week window. I think Tuesday is when they close this upcoming yeah. Tuesday. Uh, not yeah, this upcoming Tuesday is when the tag closes. Combine will just be getting over then. Two weeks away from free agency, the draft picks, trades. They might be coming here within the next few weeks, and then after free agency opens, we're about a month away from draft day, and it's so beautiful. It's the most exciting time of the year. Uh. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's open it up. We're going to have a mock draft coming for you to you guys at the end of the show. But we're going to start with breaking news today. There has been an arrest warrant issued for potential top three, top two, potential, you know, number one overall pick, Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter for his alleged role in a car crash that killed his teammate. Thomas, what's this going to do to his draft stock? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good question. Um, I think we're going to have to wait and see what officially comes out. Because, yeah, he was there's a warrant out for his arrest for reckless driving. Um, this is interesting because I think this is going to come down to what do you care more about, the, the talent or the player? And, you know, a lot of people were clowning Todd McShay last few weeks saying that uh, Jalen Carter had uh, – uh, that Jalen Carter has uh, character issues. And oh yeah, it was a great story that he you know he shared part of his scholarship money to buy one of his teammates' uh, lunches, I believe it was. But there's also been some issues where he's been like, he talks a lot in the field, you know, he says stuff, you know, where 
he's like been kind of described as like very chaotic where yeah he's he's a hell of a football player but he's also like could be like a psychopath on the field as well where you don't know like those guys are great to have sometimes like those ray lewis types are great to have you know guys that are just gonna be all football they're a menace on the field but then it's like yeah but you know what does this do for the image of your organization i think teams are gonna wait and see what evidence comes out one is he officially booked and charged because right now they just want to talk to him, I believe, kind of interrogate him, see what exactly happened. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know how far it's going to affect his stock. As of his current moment, uh, he's probably not a top three pick anymore. He easily could slip out of the top ten. But I I still think a team would still take a chance on him in the top five, top ten uh, you know, just by the time the draft actually comes around months from now, there might be more clarity. But like for our mock draft, it might be a little difficult. But I this this whole situation's got to get resolved within the next month or so, at least before his pro day. Oh, 100 percent. I completely agree with you. Um, we've seen this before, too, with other players. Remember Laramie Tunzel on draft day, the bong gas mask that slipped his draft stock. And these are potentially moves that can cost team players millions of dollars. Each pick, the value drops and when it comes to rookie contracts. So this move and this situation might have just costed him millions of dollars as a player. Um, but I completely agree with you. This is something that we're going to have to let play out totally. Um, it might not affect it at all. It could just dissolve and go away like we see in some cases with players. Or if more details come out, I mean, this is a move that could very very much hurt his stock a lot and even slip into the late first early second you know depending on all the details that we get so I think that the best thing that we can do is he just cooperates fully in the investigation I heard that he wasn't cooperating fully um but yeah I've heard the character issues about Jalen Carter and you know I really don't buy into those too much they're football players you know when I look at him it's like you know, it's just a dog barking. Like, that's how it is. These dudes are, especially defensive linemen, these dudes are hungry to kill. They want to get to the quarterback. This is how they've been bred to do. This is what they've been bred to do. Like, so I haven't bought into that too much, but with the character issues, you know, the rumors swirling about that, um, especially like on-field issues. I've watched many, you know, numerous times Jalen Carter fights pregame with opposing team. Like, yeah, it's not good for the image. And, you know, some people will say it's just a football player being a football player, but you don't want a guy on the field who is going to cost you 15 yards, you know, five or six times a season over boneheaded mistakes. Those are just things that I think maybe with the right organization, things could fix if those rumors are true, you know, about the character issues. We've heard it numerous times about numerous players, and sometimes it has been true, yes, and then other times it's, you know, very stupid and pointless and that's one of the ugly parts about a very beautiful thing that we have in the draft and the combine is all these rumors coming out about people like first guy in last guy out and it not being even true but you have to start thinking are the nfl is it the executives that are just pushing these narratives trying to get guys to slip and fall like you yeah, have I mean, it easily could be the agents just talking like like if they really like want like their client to really move up a little bit, maybe they'll talk down a little bit on someone that's projected to be ahead of them. You know, this is a lot of it's agent talk, you know, executive talk. I mean, the NFL's cutthroat, man. That's I mean, it is. honestly, professional sports in general 
or is a cutthroat business where there's always some angle, some just something. But, you know, what are you going to do? I mean, you, we just got away from more details at this point. Um, for all we know, he, he could be in, like innocent or anything could happen where I don't I, his draft stock is not going to be just gone for he's not falling to the third round second round yeah. i mean this this happens a lot i mean we also had this situation kind of going on with uh brandon miller from alabama right now who was involved in you know giving the gun you know to that like he's not being charged but he was definitely questioned and he's projected to be a top three four pick mm-hmm. um so like sometimes you just gotta like just do your due diligence your background checks and just kind of see what happens next. And it's just a waiting process. Also, what a disgusting act by Brandon Miller. That little pregame, yeah. like getting pat down when there's like a murder involved. Like that was that was awful. Like that's that was gross. This that is alone should, that alone should push him down some draft boards. Oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. That was gross. I hope that was just a stupid kid making a stupid mistake, because in that situation, like I get it, you know, your name is freed. You're not being charged. Obviously, that's that's a big thing. But just one, you were involved in the situation to begin with. Shut up. Stay out of it. Don't bring that up again. This is your future we're talking about. And two, you know, this there was a murder involved. Like it was that was that was bad. Like that that was gross. This, like I said, this is not an NBA podcast, but I just had to get that off my chest publicly. Segment number two: Bryce Young, Dalton Kinsade, Zach Evans are among others who are not expected to work out at the combine thoughts on players preferring their own pro days over participating in the NFL combine. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I, 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 in a way as like a fan or as like with the inner scout me, I love the combine. I love it. I love seeing these guys, but to me, I've always viewed the combine is for players who get overlooked throughout the season where you have the guys who go to smaller schools, you know, you have guys that are not as well known that, you know, this is their case to show off their talents, their vert, their catching ability, quarterbacks, throwing it downfield. You know, we're like, we had a guy from like Princeton throwing like a year or two ago. I I think it was like Davidson or something. I could be wrong, but like he was just, you know, no, no one knew who he was before the combine. But so, I mean, if you're a consensus top pick, I and if I was an agent of a team, I'd be like, don't even work out. Just go to the combine, answer questions, you know, meet with a lot of these executives, coaches, you know, that's what I would prepare you for. The pro day, when you're thrown to your own guys, you're with your own group of guys, you could prepare for it. That should be their focus because the combine is nationally televised. And if you run a four, six, I mean, you, your draft stock could fall two, three rounds. I mean, we saw Keenan Allen like a decade ago, like he was a projected first round pick and then he uh, ran like a four, seven and he fell to like almost the end of the second, I think. So yeah, I mean, the combine is for people that are overlooked who want to increase their stock. If you're a top 10 to 15 projected pick, I, I would not even participate, but if you have some stuff to prove and you want to, you're on the borderline of a second, the first round pick, you know, then I would participate um quarterbacks i don't think you should participate whatsoever just because if you make one bad throw it's nationally televised could bring some question marks uh i think every running back i like to see every running back um compete at least because since it's a non-premium position in the league it's one of those where it's like okay we really do need to know like like what are you running there's nothing to you can't really screw too much up there's not gonna be that big of a difference from 
a running back at his pro day to his combine. It's going to be very similar either way. Quarterbacks, it's like it's tough because one, you're you're getting measured, you're you're seeing your forty, you're seeing you're actually making throws. Like there's no there's so much pressure on quarterbacks at the combine. Hand size, I mean, when you get to your pro day, you know none of that really matters ultimately. But they'll make a really big deal out of it at the combine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, to me. I'm okay with players sitting out, preferring pro days. This is this should just be an event going forward that's just for guys at smaller schools or that are projected to be like mid-round picks. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Um, It can only hurt your draft stock, really, if we're being honest. You show up and you have a bad combine, you just have a bad day. It could cost you money, and there's not going to really be that at pro days. So, yeah, if you are a locked-in, 100% top-10 pick, I would probably agree with you. I mean, I don't see any reason on why Bryce Young needs to go out there and throw the ball, go out there and run a 40 and do all that. We've seen his game. We've seen his talents. You know, obviously measurables are going to be a key talking point for him, which we'll talk about next. But, yeah, I think it's just more or less for maybe your third or fourth ranked guys. Like, here, this is what I can do. This is what I can prove to you. This is why you should take me over this player who might not be participating in the combine. So I agree with you. It doesn't it doesn't bother me much inside at all. It is a good place where all 32 NFL teams are together. So, you know, I see that as a benefit for the player to participate. But when you're someone like Bryce Young or, you know, at, considered a premier at your position, I totally understand I'm not participating. Speaking of Bryce Young, his measurables are going to be a key talker at the combine this weekend. How concerned should NFL teams be if Young falls under six feet? None. I think I just I, I hate this. If Bryce Young was six two, you know, he would, would be in the same talks as Caleb Williams will be next year. Trevor Lawrence was is this year or was a few years back. It's just the size is just if you're really nitpicking on a guy, I mean, judge off the tape. The size was no issue at Alabama when he went up against Georgia, when he went up against all these big schools winning. I mean, we've seen Kyler Murray make it work. We've seen Drew Brees Somewhat. make it work. We've seen Russell Wilson make it work. Ultimately, he's not a running quarterback, so it doesn't matter. He's a pocket passer. That's what he was in college. He's got some mobility, but – my thing is, if you really have concerns about this guy's uh, height, um, weight, turn on the Texas game when he went up against Texas. Against Texas, when I saw him on like third and eight with like fifty seconds left, maybe like it was with, it was in a key point in the game when they were trailing, the pocket just collapses on him, and he somehow just breaks away and runs for like eight ten yards down the sideline to get the first down. You and then I saw him early in the game <clears throat> run around break a sack, you know, run, throw Gibbs on the run in the end zone. I mean, you can't teach that. You know, those are, to me, intangibles will always overcome someone's size. Like, I still believe that if Bryce Young was like 6'2", 220, the Bears would seriously consider him at number one over Justin Fields. The only reason he's, I don't think there's any serious consideration is due to his size. People are going to overthink it, and you're going to have a team like the Colts or the Texans that are going to be so thrilled to get a guy who's going to have the highest IQ in the room. He's going to be a leader. He's going to be someone that people, teammates, are going to just run through a brick wall for. And it's like 32 touchdowns, 
five interceptions last season with like Jameer Gibbs as his number one weapon. That's pretty damn impressive if you ask me. And the year before that, he wins the Heisman. He throws 47 touchdowns and like five interceptions. I mean, it's just, it just baffles me that people are so concerned about his size. Yeah, and you know who's also pretty damn skinny? Lamar Jackson. He's a stick. He's made it work in the league. He's got no muscle mass, like, whatsoever. Like, I don't know. To me, if you really care about size, look at Will Levis then. Take him. If that's really that big of a deal to you, he's 6'4", 6'5", 235. If that's what you want, then just go take Will Levis. So why is there a discussion? It's because Bryce Young, I don't know. Maybe it's just GMs talking. Like, oh, my God, he's so small. He's so small. What does it matter if he has a clean pocket, can make the big time throw up the middle. It doesn't matter. Size is useless when it comes to the quarterback position. Like, yeah, I guess, okay, it's not useless, but it matters to some extent. But it's like, don't overthink the pick. Bryce Young checks every single box possible. Every single box. And now you're questioning his height? Where's that been the last two years? Nowhere. It's draft season. Someone's always looking for something. Like Jalen Carter, we were just talking about him. Didn't even come to the combine yet. Character issues. Like, come on. Like, so, there's going to be something to nitpick with these guys. Don't overthink the pick. Houston, Indy, whoever wants to trade to Chicago at one. Don't overthink the pick. Bryce Young's the QB one. Size does not matter. Yeah, I'm not too worried about it, to be honest with you. Some quarterbacks have made it work. I think it does affect, you know, potentially the player to some extent. You know, you want to make sure that he can see over them big boys. But his Alabama tape speaks for it all. He should be QB one in this draft. Um, but I under, I understand some concern somewhat, you know, some quarterbacks have made it work, but it's also affected some players. Uh, some people want that six, four body who's two twenty and, uh, can do it all, you know, just like, you know, Bryce Young can. So I somewhat get it to an extent, but it doesn't concern me that much. Uh, I think Houston or Indianapolis won't be too worried about it if i'm being real i don't think they're going to overlook it at all uh and i think that he's still going to undoubtedly be the first quarterback selected off the board which prospects are under the most pressure to test well at the combine yeah i mean this is tough i mean because there's there's so many i mean to me the the prospect with the biggest pressure is no doubt jackson smith and jigba there is so many question marks about this guy right now because he only had one legitimate season. He didn't have much of an impact when he was fourth or fifth on the depth chart as a freshman. You know, second year, he performed great. You know, he was phenomenal. He was insane. But he also was the third option outside of Garrett Wilson, 10th overall pick last year. Chris Olave, 11th overall pick last year, where defense didn't really pay too much attention to him, and he could stick in the slot primarily. So... You know, what if this guy does run like a 4-6, 4-7? You know, how far is that going to push him down the board? We don't know. I mean, that's the biggest question. He has he doesn't have any breakaway speed. He just he's a really good route runner. He gets open, but like we didn't we didn't get to see him as a number one receiver. He got hurt against Notre Dame to open up the college season and then he sat out the rest of the year. So I mean, I'm not gonna compare it to like a Jamar Chase situation because we saw Chase be the one or two with JJ. But with the Jigba, you know, we've never really seen him be, be, like, be an alpha. So it's like we've seen Jordan Addison be an alpha at two different schools. We've seen Zay Flowers be an alpha at Boston College with 
honestly little to no quarterback play. And then we've seen Quinton Johnston show up in the biggest game against Michigan and, and just go off. So, I mean, there's a lot of question marks for Smith and Jibbo compared to the other prospects. Um, he's going to need the test well because right now he's a mid he's a mid first late second um not not late second but late first mid the late first it's just there's so many question marks i mean he is going to need to run very fast he's going to need to have an impressive 10 yard split and he's going to need to have probably at least a, a 38 inch vert i mean they're going to want to see him if he, if he could get up for those so yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot of question marks about him these la- this last three months. Where I think uh, Saturdays when they go, I'll, I'll, I will be there that we will be able to see how he tests. Do you think that the drills are a little overlooked? Do you think that there's too much taken into it? I think when it comes to like the vertical, the ten yard split, the forty, I think people look a little bit too much into that. Like when it comes to the receiver position. I, I love seeing run routes on, on the field. That's what I care about the most. I love seeing them start off when they run across the field and they got to catch, drop, catch, drop the ball. You know, you see how quick your hands are and how smooth they are. So, yeah, I love that. Then I like seeing them run the out routes. I like I like seeing them run go routes, post routes, you know, a little quick slant over the middle. You know, like I like seeing them in their footwork primarily when it comes to that. Yeah. You can get a really good tell of how quick these guys' feet are, how quick they could get off press. Because I, th- I think they have like the big like boxing like bag almost like where they hit yeah. the guy to get off press. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that part. I care about a four. I mean, I don't really care about the 40 too much, but I do care if a guy like in Jigba or Addison, if they run like a four six, like I'm concerned. Like I'm expecting you to run a four four, four five. Like that's the bread and butter for a, a wide receiver four four, four five ish. Four three is great. But when you got the guy starting four six, four sevens, God, if they go to four eight, you know that that drops you a few rounds. So, yeah, I mean, I, think, I feel like it's it's definitely a little too deep. I think the forty would probably come at like third in my eyes, or fourth in my eyes on like impact or like total, just overall speed. You know. I think the top three things that if you're a GM looking for a receiver, I think, like I said, the 40 time and speed would come at number four. I think knowledge of the route tree and route running are easily in like one of the things I'm looking for. I think how quick your hands are and I think your release. Those are the big top three things. I'm not going to look too much into it. If you run a four six, if you have quick hands, a great release and you can run the route tree. That, that I think the yeah. four six is a little over. I think that's where the forty gets way too overlooked when it comes to receivers. Look at John Ross, for example. Yeah, he, he's a perfect example of a guy who should not have been taken where he was taken by by far. I think release, how quick your hands are, and uh, how well you know the route tree and your route running is the top three things that you should be looking for in a wide receiver. Yes, then you take speed and a factor. If you have a guy who can do all three things very well and another guy that can do all three things very well and one runs a four, four and one runs a four, six, then yeah, I would obviously lean the four, four. But if the guy who's running the four, 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 three, isn't doing those things so well, I would maybe lean to the guy who's running the four, six, but can do all three of those things very extremely well. And that's where I think these drills get overlooked a lot. Uh, another thing is like high point, high, how, how, how well can you high point a ball? Can you win a one-on-one ball? Yeah. 
that's 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 another thing that I think teams should look at. Maybe over speed. I don't know. I think that the drills get a little overlooked. I understand why they do them, but I think I think film is the tell all. Really, at the bottom at at, yeah. at the bottom line, film is the tell all. And I think that the combine, as much as I love it, it does it does get a little overhyped, in my opinion. But my prospects who are under most pressure, I think you can't look any further than. And I know it's a basic basic ass answer but i mean anthony richardson and will levis uh yeah. these guys are anywhere you know from who could potentially be number four like the fourth overall pick anywhere to close to the 1920 range uh i don't think it's going to see that way i think they're going to see fall, both of them fall right in the middle of that but i think there's a lot of pressure for these two how well can they throw there's a lot of question marks about anthony richardson's accuracy he's probably the best athlete in the draft but there's just a lot that these two dudes need to prove. Are these dudes worthy to go up and get, you know, are, are teams are teams going to move up for these guys? Or are they just going to sit back and let them maybe fall yeah. for them? That's, that's a big thing. Is there going to be a, a push for these players or not? And I think this is, is going to be a big, big talking point is those two guys, especially since Bryce Young is out. Uh, and Stroud is participating, correct? Yep. He's expected okay. to do all drills. It's easy. He's doing everything. Everything. Awesome. I love that because that this is going to be huge for Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. Are you going to go out there and compete with CJ Stroud, who's projected to be like a guaranteed top three, top four pick, no matter what? Or are you going to look worse and let your draft, uh, your draft stock fall? So I think the, the pressure is on those two the most. Yeah, I could list you any mid round edge right now. Can you go compete with Will Anderson? But, I mean, we're talking the quarterback position here. We're talking the most important position in football, and I think the pressure is on them the most. But I love JSN as well. There's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, I think there's also a lot of pressure on all of these wide receivers. These are dudes that could go from anywhere after 10 or maybe even higher, you know, a few picks higher, to the 30 range, potentially not even a first-round pick. All of these guys could range in there. So I think there's a lot of pressure on – uh, all of the wide receivers as well. But JSN probably has the most pressure considering his lack of production or, you know, I know he was hurt and all that or his lack of play within the last year and a half. It's time. It's mock time, Thomas. This is this is it, baby. This is it. It's juicy. It's juicy. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. All right. First overall, the number one overall pick, Thomas. You kick it off. Yeah. This is interesting. So we got the Chicago Bears technically own the pick right now. I think Houston is going to do whatever it takes to get Bryce Young. The Bears, I feel like they're you're going to see the Bears trade back. So I got Chicago moving the pick. Woo-hoo. I got to move them back one spot, and it's it, it's juicy. They're going to get the second overall pick. They're going to get the thirty third overall pick, and they're going to get an extra fourth in twenty twenty four. And Houston's going to take. Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. They're they're gonna look for their guy. They're t- they've been waiting for someone to come in, be the quarterback that they could rely on since Deshaun Watson. And to me, if I'm Houston, that's not that much to just go and get my guy. You're gonna get into a bidding war with potentially Indy. You're gonna get into a bidding war potentially with a team like Carolina, the Raiders potentially. So under this scenario, I think the Bears are completely comfortable moving back one spot to get that type of return, knowing that they could potentially trade back once again 
right after that to get even more draft capital. There's, I know some fans online have wanted like the 12th overall pick. There's no way in hell you're going to get the 12th overall pick for, for one, a one spot difference. I'm not even sure if you'll get the 33rd overall pick. I was thinking more 65 and like a third next year. But I feel like 33 is something that could kind of move Houston in the front running over a team like Indy and stuff. So, yeah, I'm going Bryce Young, number one overall at Houston. Brian Poles finally makes a good trade, and he moves back one spot and I think gets an absolute haul. I would love that. Personally, I would love that. In my eyes, I think Indianapolis will end up winning the bidding war, though. I have them moving back to four and Indianapolis trading up to number one with Bryce Young. I would love that, though. Trust me. I, yeah. I like your I like your thought process a little better. Um, but I think I just think Ursa is more of a loose cannon. I think he's willing to he put his thoughts on the line. And Ballard's got a lot more pressure than what they have going on in Houston right now. Um, you know, they got a you know new head coach, f- fresher GM. Uh, Ballard's been there for a long time. There's a lot more pressure going on in Indianapolis. And like I said, Ursa's a loose cannon. I think that they're they're going to do whatever it takes to win the bidding war. I have them moving up with Chicago. And I predict that this will happen before free agency opens. Within okay. 15 days, this move happens. Okay. Number four overall. What is their second? What's their second? 35. Round? 35. They're going to get four, 35, a next year's first, and a third next year as well. Okay. I think they're gonna, but I do like if Houston was get would give us two, and would give us thirty three. I don't think it. I think I, if I was if I was Ryan Poles and I had those two offers on the table, I think I would lean with Indy. Just the ability to get that second overall pick next year or that first overall pick next year. I love that. I really do. I do enjoy that. Because that gives you two first next year. That puts you in a position where if the Justin Fields experiment does not play out, you're going to be a bad team again. And it gives you that Indianapolis second overall pick to move up and get your guy next year. I think that he wants the first next year. And if, let's say, this Justin Fields experiment does work out, and Justin Fields is looking like a franchise quarterback, and you're sitting there with two first next year, that gives you expendable moves then. You have two first-round picks next year. You want to go get a guy who's on a contract deal uh, with a bad team, who's looking to move off of picks, you know, preferably a wide receiver, go do that. You know, then you can expend one of the, you know, get rid of one of those first round picks, move off, go get a sure thing player and still have a first round pick next year. I think that is what's going to be the sell point in this move. And I think that's what, that's what will happen. And I do think it will become, I think, I think it will become before free agency. I don't think that they want this bidding war to go on for months. It'll only cost them more. And I think if Ryan Poles was smart, I think if this was on the table, he would take it. I wouldn't know where you're going to be at on draft day, spend the next month and a half, knowing that you're going to be at four, knowing what you got in your value immediately. And because I think that the, the farther you get into it, the the less you could end up getting you know things yeah. more things come out about players. Go day by day right now it just seems like the more this keeps dragging on the less you're gonna get because people i mean the Jalen carter news was the worst thing that could have happened yeah it was awful it was it was brutal to wake up this morning to that one trust me but i think that i think that this move is going to happen quick i think it's going to be a short quick bidding war you got to think that they're meeting in indianapolis right now all of these gms talking these moves over completely and I think that's going to be short and quick. I think it's going to happen before free agency. And 
Uh, then Chicago can focus on free agency completely, not have to worry about this on their plate as well, and know where you're going to be drafting come draft day. Now, if they want to be moved, if you want to move back from four, that's a draft day move. But now get this off your plate, focus on free agency, and focus on you know scouting these prospects. Number two, who you got? I have Chicago. They're on the board again. And then this is where Ursay, I think they fall in love with CJ Stroud. I think CJ Stroud's their QB one the whole time because I know Ursay slipped a few weeks back. They claim, oh, you know, Bryce Young. I feel like that was kind of like a ploy to get Houston to move up mm-hmm. and take him. Where I feel like CJ Stroud's their guy. Um, Chris Ballard finally, finally gets their quarterback of the future here. And is in the Chicago in return, Ryan Poles gets nets another really solid return here, I think. And he gets the fourth overall pick, the 79th overall pick, which is a third, a 2024 second next year, and a third next year. So now Chicago's cooking potentially at pick four, 33, uh, 54, I think they have, and yep. then like 79. And you pick up an extra second next year, an extra third next year, and an extra fourth between these two deals. This team's got a lot of holes. You know, they could even move back at four if they really, really want to. But I I don't think they will based off my mock. But now for Indy here, you get you get a guy that's ready to come in right away. He's a guy you're going to be able to hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor. You got M- Michael Pittman. You got Alec Pierce. Um, you have so many options. You got Quentin Nelson on the offensive line. I mean, this is a move that could bring Indy from joke of a franchise to division winner. You got to find someone to compete with Lawrence, Bryce Young, hypothetically, under this scenario, and then potentially Ryan Tannehill, which you know Tennessee's moving on from him eventually. <laughs> so to me, you know, that's not a steep price either for Indy to go, to move up two spots to go get their guy. That's a deal that I think you come away when Poles and Ballard are off the phone. Each side, each of them are completely happy. And this gives Chicago ammo. Say you got a JSN start slipping to the mid-20s, early 20s. You package pick 33 and some more to move up under that scenario. That gives you the flexibility to do so. So this is a home run for Indy, home run for Chicago. And now, we, you know, you had to pick, you know, you just see how the rest of the board falls at that point. Yeah, exactly. I would love that move as well. I think both moves that you've done, I would be very happy with the outcome. With with a double move back like this, when would you see these moves playing out then? I think Indy is the type of deal that could happen on draft day. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like the Houston trade could happen fairly quickly. I like that. I like that. I would be very happy with both of those returns. You know, Ryan Poles has been someone who's spoke of building through the draft. That's why, you know, as much as I love having all this cap space and, uh, you know, money, I love it. I love every second of it. You can only do good things with it or bad things, I guess. But, I mean, it's only a positive when looking at it from a franchise standpoint. He doesn't seem like a guy who's going to go out there and hand max contracts out to everyone available. He's going to fill positions of need, fill depth, but I don't see Bryce or I don't see Ryan Poles as someone who's going to spend all this money. He wants to build through the draft more than anything and I think moving back as much as he possibly can while also being able to stay in a position of, you know, landing a top pick, I think is what he wants to do. He's preached about building through the draft and both of those moves that you said right there at 
that preaches that I mean that's exactly what he's looking for and I would love that I I would love that a lot CJ Stroud quarterback to Houston I like I said I think you know it's a fresher GM I don't think that Houston wants to end up in a bidding war with a division rival uh and I I like I like CJ Stroud a lot I do I really do um I think both of these quarterbacks could go on to be star quarterbacks in the NFL quick dynasty question for you Thomas if you had picked two you know Bajan's going number one overall if you had picked two and these mocks played out the way they do with you having Stroud going to Houston and you have Young going to Indianapolis or you have Young going to Houston and I you know how like I said I can't talk right now for some reason who would you take at 1.2 if you were in need of a quarterback Young or Stroud yeah, you know, that's very tough. I think it depends on the state of your dynasty team, hypothetically. So, like, I think I feel like if you're, like, a year or two away, you, you take Young. But if you're ready to, like, win now, like, you feel like you're really close, um, I go C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud will have the most immediate impact. No matter how these guys go, I think Stroud has the most immediate impact because I think he's one of the best pure throwers in the entire draft. So he'll step in, and he's a guy you can rely on day one. But I think the upside's a little limited with him when I think Young – has he's just special he's a guy that's going to be russell wilson-esque like with his seahawks days that's my comp for bryce young cj stroud he's he's to me he's he's very kirk cousins like where he's not very mobile but he's but man he could make that throw anywhere any tight window throw that you need he's just a very accurate guy so i mean you can't go wrong with either um i think cj stroud's a dog i mean we saw what he did against georgia that alone should put him in the conversation for number one overall I, these teams, if Stroud goes number one, would not shock me. Young goes number one, does not shock me. Either way, I think you're getting two excellent quarterbacks. See, look, as someone who had 1.2 at one point and then traded it away, um, I think I was going to go whoever ended up in Indianapolis. I just think the weapons there are better, uh, personally. And in my eyes, you know, obviously in my mock draft, I have Bryce Young going there, and I would have been thrilled with that. Number three, Thomas, Arizona. Yeah, um, Jonathan Gannon, love the hire. Jonathan Gannon, love what he did in Philly, love what he did back in the day in Minnesota. Um, I feel like Arizona is starting to become a little competent again now that Steve Kimes out of the building, Cliff Kingsbury. I really love Monty Ozenfort. He comes from Tennessee. He worked in New England for a long time, and you know what they love? They love defense. And right here, they're going to just go best player available, maybe the best player in the draft, and they're going to take Will Anderson edge out of Alabama absolute stud um been often compared to Von Miller I love the pick you know that defense needs a lot of work and happy and having a blue chip cornerstone piece like Will Anderson uh you don't pass that up so yeah I feel like Jonathan Gannon is going to get their guy um this is clearly a they usually could trade back too if someone falls in love with Anthony Richardson but I I love this pick for Arizona, and I feel like it's one step in the right direction. The offense is fine in Arizona. Gannon's there to fix the defense and bring a more um, collaborative environment. So, yeah, I love Will Anderson at this spot. I feel like he's the safest prospect in the entire draft. I completely agree with you. We don't have to dive too deep into this one. Yeah. I've got Will Anderson going as well. Edge to Arizona. Breaks my heart. Uh, unfortunately, I do wish he would somehow, some way, slip to number four. Um, for Chicago to nab, but I don't see it rolling out that way. So number four, though, you got Chicago here. We both have Chicago here at number four. Who do you have my Chicago Bears taking at number four? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel like the Jalen Carter news affects this tremendously. But honestly, this just seems like a Matt Eberflus type guy. And I'm going with Tyree Wilson, edge, Texas Tech. You've seen, you've heard polls all week talk about length. You know who has it? You know who has a lot of length and, and that's had a very good career up to this point. Daniil Hunter has a lot of length. That's a Ryan Poles. That's a Eberflus guy. I feel like the Bears could fix their interior defensive line in free agency with uh, a Javon Hargrave or oh, a Draymond Jones, where it's not necessarily a need. So it, you you need an edge rusher. You know you need one. Eberflus needs one. The Bears' pass rush was non-existent last year. You had opposing quarterbacks having all day to throw. So Tyree Wilson, the Bears are going to play it. You know, they're going to go for the biggest upside, maybe not the safest pick, but they're going to go for a guy who's just a blue chip caliber player that, you know, he's going to be your edge rusher for the next five, seven years, maybe even 10 if things go right. And this is just a really good move, I think, for Chicago. Very good player, great character on, off the field. He's just a guy people have raved about for years, and he's just he's just a solid pick for Chicago. And at this point, the Bears just got to add talent, and that's why Ryan Poles is there. So you go you get your blue-chip edge rusher, and then you see how the rest falls. Completely agree with you. I have Tyree Wilson there as well. Iberflus said in his press conference this week, I want him long, fast, and hungry. And Tyree Wilson has the wingspan of Giannis Antetokounmpo. He has the same exact wingspan of Giannis Antetokounmpo. And uh, I'd love this pick for Chicago. Um, I think both him and Anderson are phenomenal edge rushers. I think uh, Will Anderson, definitely more talented, uh, can get to the quarterback better. But Tyree Wilson, he's he's very long. He's got the wingspan of a monster. And I think that, like you said, I think this is just a Matt Eberflus pick. And I think it's the right pick. When you have such a young secondary in Chicago with Jalen Johnson, Kyler Gordon, and uh, Jaquan Brisker to match with Eddie Jackson – uh, those guys were they showed their flashes last year they showed their flashes but the Chicago struggled so hard to get to the quarterback there's not a I mean when you're looking at the toughest quarter you're tough the toughest position in football and defensive back you 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 can't give a guy no matter how long you guard a guy it doesn't matter he's gonna get open no matter who, what the secondary or no matter who the receiving core is these guys are gonna get open when quarterback has all day to throw so I'm I'm still really high on Chicago secondary. I think they're very good and very young. It's just they looked so bad last year because quarterbacks had all day to throw. And I do think, you know, if the Bears do sign Javon Hargrave, this is a perfect move. And I think Tyree Wilson is a Chicago Bear. Number five, Seattle. Yeah, I mean, I actually, for the longest time, I always thought Seattle would trade back. And you know what? Under this scenario with Jalen Carter staring at them in the face, I mean, this is just – this is what the Seahawks are. Like, good players just fall to them somehow unintentionally. Uh, Pete Carroll, Schneider, those guys, they always draft very well. So, to that, for them, they could add Jalen Carter to that interior defensive line. I mean, they'll run up to the podium. Uh, Jalen Carter, we talked about earlier, great guy, has some character issues. You know, Pete Carroll has dealt with guys like that in the past, exactly. and he's turned them around. He, he's turned them around. It's what he does. Pete Carroll always gets the best out of those guys. And when they go to Seattle, it's all about football. So to me, you know, Seattle, their, their rebuilds go in the right way. And when you can get a Jalen Carter on at this spot, I mean, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I mean, you run this to the podium and you, and you sit back and relax until you're on the board at 20. 
Exactly. I completely agree with you. I have Carter going here as five. And I don't blame the Chicago Bears for not taking either. You have a young head coach, a new head coach, and a new GM. That's not a risk you want to take at four, you know, when you're trying to build your franchise from the ground up. Seattle, obviously sitting in a very good position here. This is not their pick. They were a good team. They were a playoff team this year. So I think this is beautiful. Um, Jalen Carter is going to be there at five. I think you're going to take him at five, 100%. You have a coach in Pete Carroll with lots of experience. He's dealt with players at, the, at like this at every single level with USC and now with the Seahawks for all these years. I think that this is a great spot for Carter, but and I think that this is the best move for them. Pete Carroll is going to get them get Jalen Carter uh, situated, and I don't blame Chicago for not taking Carter as well. Like I said, you have a young head coach, year two head coach, inexperiences that are across the board in Chicago. You don't want to add, you know, a potential risk like Jalen Carter to your franchise at four. And as great as he is, there's going to be question marks about, you know, his character issues and everything that comes with them. Let him go to the experience. Let him go to Seattle where there's Pete Carroll there. Someone that'll get him right. And I think this is a great pick for Seattle. Uh, number six, Detroit. Yeah. Um, under the scenario, I have, uh, I got, I got Detroit moving back. Um, is, this, is, this, is this trade number three? Trade number three. Is this I the have, final trade? It's the final trade for me. Uh, you know, Carolina is going to fall in love with the quarterback. Is it Levis? Is it Richardson? Frank Wright learned from those pocket passers out there in Indy. He's ready to go for the guy with the most upside. So Carolina – they're going to get on the phone. I think is a Scott Fitterer. Is that their GM? I yep. think he's going to call Brad Holmes. Brad, you know, Detroit, they can do whatever they want. They don't have any immediate needs, truthfully. They can move back three spots. He's going to call Brad Holmes. They're going to give the sixth overall pick, the 61st overall pick, and the 114th overall pick to move back three spots. And they're going to go get their guy. And they're going to draft Anthony Richardson out of Florida, big risk here, but man, does this kid have so much potential. I mean, you're looking at a guy that he's Josh Allen. If all things go well, he's Josh Allen. He could sling the ball 80 yards. He's going to run a four, four probably. And he's six, four, two forty. I mean, imagine if Cam Newton had like, could put it all together and have the mechanics to be a very fluent passer. That's Anthony Richardson. To me, he's Cam Newton coming out of school. Big project, but he's a playmaker. And at this point, Carolina needs that. No more Sam, no more of the Sam Darnolds, no more of the Teddy Bridgewaters. Just go get a guy that can make plays. And that's exactly who Anthony Richardson is. And to me, under this scenario, I think Detroit's gonna be completely fine moving back three spots. They were likely targeting edge or corner anyway. Um, you don't have to worry too much about teams like Vegas or Atlanta. Like, if are you really going to see two quarterbacks off the board next? You're going to see back-to-back edge rushers? Probably not. So, to me, you know, it's it, it's a no-brainer for Detroit to make this deal. And I love to see Carolina finally just go get their quarterback. I think Levitt – or not Levis. I think Richardson has the most upside in the entire draft. I agree. I agree. I don't have Detroit moving back. <clears throat> On the other hand, my trade comes later. And I will spoil something. I don't have Carolina taking a quarterback this year. I think Frank Reich might wait. I don't know if they're going to land either Carr or Garoppolo either. I think this might sit. I think it's got to feel like they've got to do something, but it's new. 
you don't need to go and win now with Frank Reich, even though he's a, you know, a former head coach who had success in Indianapolis. Uh, I don't think they're going to want to rush in in anything. So I don't have Carolina taking a, a quarterback in this draft. I have Detroit going George, Joey Porter, defensive back out of Penn State. Ooh, man. You think that's a reach? I think that's a reach. Do you have Porter going in the first round? Oh, yeah, I do. I have a lot. There's a lot of corners. This is a deep corner class. Uh, he He's my corner three. I got him ranked as my corner three. Okay. Okay. I can get behind I do him. Like him. I do like him a lot, though. I really do. I'm just, I'm not sure if that's an immediate need for Carolina at this point. No, this is for Detroit. Detroit, my bad, my bad. Even for <laughs> Detroit, it's a need, but I'm just, I'm not sure if, if like, he seems like a guy they can maybe get at 18. Like, I, six seems like a tad of a reach. But you know what? If he's the right guy, he's a 6'2 guy. He's 6'2. He's he's a big physical corner. That's who Dan C- Campbell is looking for. And that's so, why I think it's going to be I him. like it. it. I think it's either him or Witherspoon at six. Those are two guys mind. that they're going to fall that's in love with. I think, I think that you had so much success from Houston and Hutchinson. I don't think – I mean, as beautiful as it would be to add another edge – or another defensive lineman in Detroit, I think that the secondary doesn't have as many names where you, it pops. You know, Okuda has improved slightly, but he still has not lived up to his potential. And uh, Detroit was almost a playoff team this year, and they have a pretty complete roster. I wouldn't say complete, but they have a pretty solid roster across the board where, you know, you have Jameson Williams, now you have Amon Ross St. Brown, so I don't think wide receiver is an absolute need in Detroit right now and I just think that you know when you look at these rosters and you see these kind of teams it's going to be DB and I think that they'll jump on this one early um I don't think they're going to want to risk maybe 18 so that's why I have Porter going six it might be a reach it might be a reach but I got him going to Detroit at six number seven which is still Vegas for you correct yep who you got yeah <sighs> This is such a this this is such a Raiders pick, and it's such a such a Josh McDaniels thing to do. Is they're gonna draft Will Levis? I'm telling you right now, they're gonna draft Will Levis, and you know they might sign Jimmy Garoppolo and have Garoppolo be their guy for a year or two. But Levis, I I believe Levis is a project. This you easily could switch around for me. Carolina taking Levis to start day one and Richardson to sit behind Garoppolo. Like would not argue either or. But I think at this point, I think the Raiders are done. Look, like we found out this morning, they are out on Aaron Rodgers. They have no interest in getting him. They want to go with a young quarterback. So I think if they don't look to move up for Stroud or someone, I think they're 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 going to settle for Levis. And this just screams Josh McDaniels, six four quarterback, two thirty strong arm. Like that's just what he's looking for. Levis has concerns for me. I think his pocket awareness is needs so much work. I mean, the amount of tape I watched on this guy and he just has no awareness whatsoever. When a, when a linebacker's rushing up the A or the A gap, he has no idea the guy's coming. He's going to get strip sacked so much. I mean, Will Levis has all the upside in the world, but I think he's going to be a guy that people are going to laugh at for years. Truthfully, it's just, he needs a lot of work. Uh, so there, this is just, this quarterback draft was a little better He'd maybe be like a late first, but I'm not a fan. But to me, I feel like the Raiders are going to have to take one, and they're probably going to just force one. Okay. All right. All right. All right. 
I can get behind it. I can get behind it. I'm going Anthony Richardson at seven. I think they're going to go with the higher upside play. Uh, I think there's a lot on the line here for Josh McDaniels. And drafting a quarterback with who's a project like Anthony Richardson and bringing in Garoppolo, I think is the best way to save his job. I completely agree with you. I think Levis needs the most work in this draft. But going and getting Anthony Richardson right here, I think give like gives Josh McDaniels the most flexibility to keep his job for the longest because Richardson is a project, but he's a better project than Will Levis. And Garoppolo and him worked together in New England for what three years, two years were they together? Yeah. 15, uh, I believe it was three. 14 was his rookie year, 15 and 16. He went to San Fran in 17, correct? So three yeah. years. And so you bring in a guy, a vet experience that makes your team, you know, hopefully compete again. And then you have a project like Richardson, which just gives McDaniels flexibility to stay in New England for, you know, much longer. Let him sit for two years. Hopefully Garoppolo plays out well. And then you can push Richardson in with years of experience, who has is one of the most athletic quarterbacks. And I think it's just the best scenario to keep Josh to, uh, keep Josh McDaniels with his job. That's, I think, in my eyes, the best scenario for the Las Vegas Raiders. Number eight, Atlanta. You're done with the trades. I got one more coming up. Yep. Who All you right. got at eight? Um, you know, uh, I have them staying. Atlanta needs to add to that defense. Um, the dream for them, obviously, I think would be Tyree Wilson, but I don't think he'll make it here under any scenario. They got to find a corner that could team up well with AJ Terrell. And at this point in the draft, I feel like this is a guy that's going to rise. This is, this is a guy who does all the right things, but no one seems to notice it. Like that's how I know a corner's really good when you don't ever hear his name because he's that damn good. And that's Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, Oregon. I think he's the best corner. I think he's the best corner in the draft. It's close between him and Witherspoon for me. Witherspoon's still a little too raw where I think he needs a lot of work. Gonzalez can step in right away, and that's just a significant upgrade to the defense. And, you know, Atlanta, truly could go B. John Robinson here, honestly. <laughs> I'd be like, you know what? I, I, do, I couldn't hate it, but they got to go defense. I could see Miles Murphy in this scenario too, but there's a lot – of issues going on with him from what it sounds like where I don't know if Atlanta's gonna be doing this but for, yeah, for all we know Atlanta might not even own this pick on draft day this could be Baltimore on the clock for who? Atlanta, Lamar Jackson but Atlanta's Ooh. the favorite to land Lamar so do not be surprised if Baltimore owns this pick like imagine if they imagine if the Falcons acquired Lamar Jackson and then at this pick at eight we saw the Ravens draft Anthony Richardson like just swap them out at that point. Like I could totally see that happening, but I don't know if Lamar's getting dealt yet. There's still a lot that needs to happen over these next few weeks. This is why it's mock 1.0. Yes, Christian Gonzalez. I think I, I love him. I love him as a prospect. He easily could go at pick eight. He could easily go at 16. Um, there's some, you know, this cornerback class is so tricky because it's so deep. You got guys like Kelly Ringo and Cam Smith that'll probably go in the late second. So, yeah, it's and tough. Kelly, you have Kelly dropping that far? He could. It's very possible. I have him going in the first. I hope oh, no, I he could. Oh, my God. I would love him and for Minnesota at 23. But I don't know. I mean, this corner's back class is so deep. 
I mean, some people think Kelly Ringo could even move to safety. So, I mean, the tricky part for him is what is he? Is he a corner? Is he a safety? Can he play man-to-man? Or is he a zone-only corner? We don't know. So, yeah. So, but for now, I'm going Christian Gonzalez at this pick. I really like this pick here. I have I have Atlanta going Miles Murphy. I think it will all play out. And I I don't know. I don't think they're going to get Lamar. So, I, have, I, I also have them staying here at uh, – at eight and taking Miles Murphy. I think that they just have a lot of holes. They're kind of like Chicago in my head where they're just kind of all over the board. There's nothing really stands out. You do have Drake London. Your offensive line's a little better. They could go offensive line here as well. Um, But I think that they're going to go get an edge rusher. I think that they need an edge rusher more than anything. Maybe you at least have AJ Terrell there to give you some, you know, some promise there. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who was rushing the passer in Atlanta this year, to be honest with you, to be completely honest with you, I couldn't tell you. So I think they're going to go get Miles Murphy. Um, and I think that they're going to trust the edge rusher at pick eight here. Who you got at nine? I, this is my this is my biggest risk. This is my stupidest one yet. I think I think this is dumb. I don't know why I'm doing it. I loved what I, I just agreed with Bucky Brooks so hard here at nine. Oh, man. Well, for me, I got Detroit because Detroit moved back. Yes, that's so true. That's so true. So Detroit's on the clock here, and this is where I think they pull the trigger on a corner. I think they go uh, Devon Witherspoon, and I feel like Brian, Brad Holmes, and they're, they're very happy right now. You get your guy that you probably would have taken at six anyway, and you get an extra, I believe, uh, like, a, like an extra second and like a fourth. So no-brainer. Witherspoon is physical as hell. I mean, this is a guy who didn't even start playing football. I think it was like senior year of high school. He's like one of those type guys where he's still very raw. But, man, he was one of the main reasons that Illinois turned their football program around this year. Um, Love East Smith obviously set the foundation. But, you know, what they've done at Illinois has been phenomenal. And Witherspoon is just so physical. He's so nasty. He talks so much trash. I mean, he's a guy. I mean, he hits like a safety and he can cover just about anyone. So Witherspoon's the pick here. Very safe pick, I think, for Detroit. And they're just they're they're gonna be so good. Just give them time. I hope not. I, I've never well, had no, we both better hope they're not. But I hate to say it, Detroit's doing everything right right now. All right. I have Carolina taking Osiris Torrance. Osiris Torrance. A guard I, don't, I, I think it's just with Frank Reich being there, you know how much he values offensive line. And they got E. Kamakwanu last year, and I think they go guard here. He's 6'5", 335 pounds. He, he's a, he just moves people. And you have to think, you know, Quentin Nelson is popping. Quentin Nelson is popping in Frank Reich's head. Yeah, maybe it's a reach to go guard in the top 10. Uh, but I think this is right around where Quentin Nelson went as well. I think what, Nelson went seven. In Indianapolis, and I think Osiris Torrance is the best guard in the draft. Uh, I have them going Osiris Torrance. I think it's a Frank Reich pick. He's going with the guard. They're going to build up that offensive line, and they're going to wait a year to take a quarterback. They're going to get that offensive line structured first before they take a risk on a quarterback, and I think next year is when they go QB. Okay. I mean, look, I love O'Torrance. I think that's a big boy. I mean, I like him a lot. But if they're going guard, why not go Skornowski from from North uh, Northwestern? That just seems like he seems a guy that's going to 
be a guard at the I don't know. That just seems a little bit of a reach. And but again, it is the Carolina Panthers. So I mean they easily could do something like that. Skoranowski is gonna be a tackle though, don't you think? No, a lot of people think that he's a guard at the next level because he has short arms. He does have some shorter arms. He does. Yeah, have... that's why a lot of people think he's going to be a guard, and that's why some people think that he could fall in the draft because who's going to want to take a guard that high if you're not Quentin Nelson? But apparently, if you're Osiris Torrance, I mean, you are a guy. I mean, <laughs> hey, I love, I love it, man. I love seeing Carolina add to that line. I think, man, I think, I, I, I just think that they're going to do everything in their power to build up this offensive right? line to get a quarter, and they're going to go quarterback next year. Um, but they also could, you know, have Derek Carr. I think he'd probably prefer somewhere like the Jets. Um, where you can go to a big market, but uh, yeah, I'm going Torrance here. I'm going Torrance. Number ten, I have my third trade. Okay. You want me to? You want me to go first here? I'll go first. I'll go first. Let's go first. Okay. Let's build the suspense. All right, Philadelphia's on the clock. You know, Howie Roseman does what Howie Roseman does best, and he always takes best player available. And when a player like Miles Murphy's on the board, Philadelphia, they are rich at the edge position where I feel like Miles Murphy's going to be the pick here. It's such a good pick and it's such great value where Howie Roseman, Philly does not have any immediate needs. They have none, but um, edge rusher could be a little concerning. You know, Fletcher Cox is getting a little older on the interior. Um, I'm Robert Quinn's probably leaving, you know, he was just a rental you know, you don't really know what they have for some depth. Uh, That's a great so trade. I, you said Brian Poles hasn't made a great trade yet. That was a good trade for Ryan Poles. You know what? I I will give Ryan Poles some credit. Getting a fourth round pick for a guy like Quinn was pretty. He played good. like four snaps. Yeah. Like... yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah. But Miles Murphy, great pick here for Philly. You know, big power bull rush guy off the edge. I really like it. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Howie Roseman does how Howie Roseman does. I mean, you, they easily could take Bijan here, but it's just running back's not a premium position where exactly. Bijan's going to slip further than people think. So, right I'm here, going Miles Murphy. Right here, I have <laughs> the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing it. I Ooh. think, I don't think that they would, they're not, I don't think Jason Lick, Lich, how do you say his last name? Licked? Who? The, Jason Light. It's like Light. Light, Jason Light. I yeah. don't think he's one of those guys that's gonna come up to like five, six, seven, not even eight or nine. I think he's gonna let it play out. I think he's willing to take the risk with Kyle Trask as QB one this year. I do. But Will Levis got through Carolina. Lots of pressure on him now. Do you want to go through a full rebuild? I think they come up expand the next year's first to move from 19 to 10 it's the perfect scenario you're working with philadelphia here you know you don't have you don't uh philadelphia is like like a team that has tons of needs so you just toss them next year's first and pick 19 and you move up and you take will levis at quarterback i don't i think that if will i don't think tampa bay moves anything higher i don't think they're going to try and jump anyone for a quarterback i think that they're just going to do whatever they can at 10 I don't think that they're either going to let take the risk of him slipping, though. I think they ha I have them jumping in front of Tennessee, though. Yeah. Why? I don't think they're going to try and jump in front of Carolina. I don't think they're going to try and jump in front of Vegas. But Tennessee is a sneaky team who could go quarterback. Uh, someone like Will Levis. I don't think that they're bought in in Malik Willis. Clearly, Josh Dobbs was starting in the playoff or in the at the end of the season. 
and I think that they're just ready to move on from Ryan Tannehill. Maybe not this year, but I have them. I have them getting in front of Tennessee just to eliminate that risk. And I have yeah. them drafting Will Levis. I like it. Tennessee pick eleven. This is where I got Skronowski going. You just got rid of Taylor Lewan, and I think they're going to give him a shot at left tackle. Could I see him easily be moved inside to play the guard position? Yeah. Yes, 100%. But I think they're going to give him a shot to replace Taylor Lewan at 11, and I got them going Skoranowski at right here. I like it. I, I got the same position, but I got a different player. I got a pure left tackle. Um, it's Paris Johnson from Ohio State. He's going to replace Taylor Luan right away. This easily also could be Broderick Jones. I mean, all of these guys, it just, what do you prefer? You Do you prefer the athletic guard slash tackle in Skornowski? Do you, do you believe in the pure left tackle in Paris Johnson? Or do you want the big mauler left tackle, right tackle, uh, Broderick Jones? So I like Paris Johnson Jr. here. I feel like they're going to, he's going to be the left tackle for the next decade. I think he'll be much better than Taylor Taylor Lamont was for especially for the longevity of his career. Um, yeah, so I'm going Johnson Jr. here. Love the pick. I think Tennessee at this point, th- this is the start of their rebuild. You're you're going to be on the looks for a young running back soon, a young quarterback. You already got your young receiver in Burks, so I feel like now you get your number one receiver, and then now you'll be able to get your number one tackle, and then now this is kind of just like the start of their competitive rebuild. I forgot I have four trades, but it's not coming up anytime soon, by the okay, way. Okay. But I do have four trades. Um, yeah, I, I like the Paris Johnson pick here. So you got Skarnowski slipping. A little bit, because I feel like people are going to overlook him because he's a guard. Okay. All right. Pick 12, Houston back on the board here. In my draft, I have C.J. Stroud going to Houston. You would think, oh, you know, some connection here with J.S.N., Stroud, that could be pick 12, but I have them going Jordan Addison. Okay. I think he's the best like wide it. receiver in the draft. Agreed. And uh, you, gotta that, you know, if they go Stroud, JSN could be a pick at 12 just to have that immediate connection coming into Houston. But I don't think I don't think they're going to look into it that deep, and I think they're going to go with the best wide receiver in the draft and take Jordan Addison at 12. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge Addison guy. So, I mean, I have a hard time, I think, seeing Houston take a receiver here. I know a lot of mocks have that. Um, I've, I could see this as a tradeback scenario for a team if Tampa wants to move up for a quarterback, if we see Levis or Richardson start to fall. This is a good spot. Uh, I think they're going to be looking to beef up that offensive line, though. And I got him taking Skornowski okay. here to move up. And he'll slide in at left guard right next to Laramie Tunsil. Because when you have a quarterback like Bryce Young, you got to protect him. He's a pure pocket passer. And if you have any concern about his size, beef up his left side, you know, beef up, you get Laramie Tunsil, you get Skornowski at left guard. I mean, that is a beautiful left side going forward. And Bryce Young is going to be feeling very comfortable back there. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a really good scenario for Houston because they have D'Amico Ryans and he saw how, how the Niners were built. I mean, you have a strong running game, strong offensive line and a quarterback that makes all the right decisions. So that's where I think they're going to be heading towards. And I think Skornowski at pick 12, that's really good value. And Houston is finally looking competent again. 
Yeah, 100%. The arrow is, I think if they land either Addison or Skoranowski, the arrow's pointing up for both of them, uh, which I have uh, Stroud being there. I don't think the the need of offensive line as, you know, with someone a bigger body, it's always a major need, yes. But I see them maybe looking at it like how Cincinnati looked at it instead of, you know, get your wide, get your fresh quarterback a playmaker instead of going uh, – someone like Penny Sewell. I see them maybe looking at it from this example. And uh, 13, though, I have the New York Jets going Paris Johnson, offensive tackle. I like it. Uh, Paris Johnson, I spoke of him a few minutes ago. Um, one of my favorite tackles in this entire draft class. Um, I also have tackle in this spot as well, but I got Broderick Jones. I think he'll step in. He was, a, he was phenomenal at Georgia. He's another just really big guy that – you know, that Jets offensive line's looking juicy at this point with Broderick Jones here at left tackle. Vera Tucker, I think, plays left guard. I could be wrong. He could play right guard. But you got him as a cornerstone piece, and then you got Mekhi Becton at right tackle. Three out of the five, you pretty much got resolved. We'll see what happens if they bring Connor McGovern back. But, yeah, I really enjoyed this pick for um, the Jets, who knows? I mean, for all we know, Green Bay could be in the spot as well in a few months when the, if they trade for Rodgers. But for now, I think Jets go tackle. You could lock them in right now, taking a tackle. Would not be surprised if they took defense, though, like Brian Branch or someone like that. But um, I think they're going to play it safe, and I really think finding a tackle to potentially block for Derek Carr or Tannehill, whoever's coming over there, um, that's, that's going to be the move. All right, 14. I have Devon Witherspoon going to okay. New England. I, like I think that that's just like a Bill Belichick type of guy. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I mean, I feel like Witherspoon or Brian Branch. Those are the two, like, Belichick guys. Yeah. Corner's a big need for them. They lost J.C. Jackson a little bit ago. I mean, who knows what New England's going to do? I mean, they always draft the most ridiculous guys every year. Shocks everyone. I mean, we saw Cole Strange from, like, Chattanooga or something like something like last year. Did he have an impact this year? He started at guard. I don't know how he did, but uh, I think he had a pretty like I think I think he was just average. But you know, for my pick here for New England, this is my biggest surprise of the draft. Where people on draft are gonna be like, what? But then you're gonna think about it. Like this is a Bill Belichick guy. This is a guy who just does all the right things. And for a guy that's very respectful, does the right things, keeps his head down, just goes to work, this is a Bill Belichick guy. And I'm going wide receiver Zay Flowers, Boston College. Yep, I'm Flowers is going to surprise a lot of people at the Combine this weekend. You're going to see his name just start skyrocketing up these boards. And he's had a, you know, he's had, he's had a tough coming up, but he's finally – found his home and he's going to immediately take over as a wide receiver one for the Patriots, big deep threat. He could do it all. Chris route runner. Dude's really got big these last few weeks as well. I don't know if you saw his picks on Twitter. I mean, this dude is swole. So yeah, new England flowers. I feel like it's a match made in heaven. They could trade back. I couldn't decide if I wanted Zay or not Zay flowers here or Brian branch. Those are two new England picks. I think they'll have to decide who they want who they value more, but New England's got to get more explosive on offense. I don't think Smith and Jigba makes you explosive. Addison is a guy that people are just going to severely overlook. So 
Zay Flowers just seems like a Belichick pick to me. And he's going to be someone that's going to be very do well at interviews. And, you know, he's going to do all the right things. And Belichick will just fall in love. That's just what he does. I like both of our picks there. I would love Zay Flowers. Yeah. You know, Mac, Mac Jones finally has a decent receipt. Yeah, about damn time. Christ. Uh, but, yeah, I think that there's, you know, it's it's New England. They 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 You don't know where the hell they're going to go, if we're being honest. And we, we don't know who the hell the player is going to be. Like we don't, we we might not even know his name. I did not know who Cole Strange Strange was last year. No like, one did. I was so lost, and it's so funny going looking back on like Sean McVay's press conference when they took Cole Strange. Like, uh, that's an interesting pick. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll take him off our board in like the second round. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that hopefully I I think like either one of those guys, Devon Witherspoon. Or Zay Flowers would be great additions in New England. Um, Green Bay. Do you finally have Green Bay taking a wide receiver? No. <laughs> Still no. 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 I mean, they're never going to, I swear. They're never going to. They're going to stay and stick to what they always do. They they just go with, you know, guys who fit their, their style. Uh, they're going to go Luke Van Ness from Iowa. You know, they're going to need an edge rusher to team up with Rashawn Gary. Um, Preston Smith's probably a cap casualty this offseason. They'll stick Van Essen right away. Big fan of Luke Van Essen. I mean, this guy easily could be the best edge rusher in the entire draft. Um, gives me a, gives me TJ, JJ Watt type vibes, truthfully. Um, and, you know, this is just a pick where I think Green Bay is just building the defense. You know, if they are ready to take it to Jordan Love, Give Jordan Love the reins and move Rodgers. I mean, they're going to need that defense to to perform week in, week out, and run the, and run the ball hard. Uh, Luke Van Ness, you know, this is just a really good pick, and I think really good value for Green Bay at 15. I could see them going Brian Branch here. I think it depends on how they handle Adrian Amos. Um, but I actually have them going Michael Mayer. I think Tanyan's going to walk, and I think that they're going to add Michael Mayer. I think this is going to be like, here you go, Rodgers. Here's your weapon that you've been begging for in the first round. Here's Michael Mayer. So I think that they're going to be the first team to take a tight end, and they're going to go Michael Mayer. I like it. It's just tough for me to see that because they, they just never prioritize the position. And how many people are going to view Mayer? Like, what's the difference, I guess, between what people are going to have to ask themselves between Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid? That's the biggest question I think that people are going to have to ask themselves. Because I think there's a chance we can see three tight ends go in the first round. You think so? Three. I think three. It's very possible. You have it in your mock. Are we going to have to see? We're going to have to wait. Um, I guess we'll have to see and find out. All right. Who you got going 15 to Green Bay? I had Luke Van Ness to Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Michael Mayer here. All right. Yeah. Washington. You this have is tough. To, this is tough. This would be a really good spot for Joey Porter Jr., I think, a corner. But I just feel like if Eric be enemy there now, they're going to go skills position. It's not a quarterback. They're going to want to give Sam Howell a lot of weapons. Oh, yeah. And, and the best weapon for Wash, or for Kansas City is Travis Kelsey. Here, I think the enemy is going to get his Travis Kelsey, but he's going to take Michael Mayer at this point. You get Michael Mayer, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson – Jahan Dodson, Samuel, McLaurin. I mean, 
take your pick of who's going to do your damage. I mean, they've been desperately looking for it. They have not had a tight end that they could rely on since Jordan Reed. And that was way back then. We're, we're talking almost like a decade when Kirk Cousins was still their quarterback. So, yeah, Kirk Cousins, RG3 were the quarterback. I like Michael Mayer here. I don't know if I – because I, I love Dalton Kincaid. I really do. But I just feel like Mayer's still going to be the consensus number one in many eyes. Even though Kincaid's my tight end one. I think Kincaid's the best tight end in the draft. But I think many teams are going to view Michael Mayer as a clear first-round pick. I've heard he's interviewed very well. And I think Washington at this point is just going to take Mayer and they're going to use him all over the field. I like the pick as well. I have them going Christian Gonzalez here, DB to Washington. I think if he falls into their lap, I think that Ron Revere is going to bust a nut and have no choice but to take him. What do you think? You like Gonzalez? Gonzalez. I mean, I love Gonzalez. I love Gonzalez. This, this would be a hell of a pick for them at this point. I mean, Christian Gonzalez is my, is my cornerback one. The fact that you right. can get this guy at 16, no-brainer. You run into it. All right. Pittsburgh. Oof, this is one, but, you know, I think this is where, you know, like father, like son, Joey Porter Jr. is going <laughs> to be the the cornerback one for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, I feel like the Porter family has a very good relationship with the Rooney family, and, you know, they're going to bring their – his kid in there, and you know, this feels a need for Pittsburgh. They easily could go offensive line, or, or if, I mean, I, I would love to see Jordan Addison back with Kenny Pickett, but that's a little too high for me here. I still have no wide receivers off the board, in case you haven't noticed. Or, no, I did have Zay Flowers, correction, my bad. Flowers. Zay Flowers is off the board. So, yeah, Pittsburgh, I think they're gonna go with Joey Porter Jr. Could easily go Brian Brees, could look to beef up that interior defensive line. But I feel like Porter Jr. here, I mean, it's such a need because they, they can lose Cortland Sutton – or not Cortland Sutton, Cameron Sutton in free agency. So Joey Porter Jr., the most physical corner potentially in this draft, comes from Penn State, not too far from Pittsburgh. So it's not like he's got that big of adjustment. But just when you connect all the dots, uh, Joey Porter Jr. makes way too much sense to Pittsburgh. I got Lucas Van Ness actually going here to go opposite of TJ Watt. I just think that, uh, you know, you need you need more on the defensive line. You can never go wrong, and I think that they're going to try and breed the next TJ Watt here with Lucas Van Ness. Let him learn from Watt, and then just have two big old white boys going at him, <laughs> just like how they got it going in Cincinnati with Hubbard and uh, Hendrickson. I think that they're going to go Lucas Van Ness here out of Iowa. He finally, he's finally off my board. I think that when we come out with our mock 2.0, Van Ness will be higher. I think that he apparently, apparently that he's interviewing phenomenally in the combine and uh, obviously debating on how he does there. I think he's going to fly up the ranks a little bit. Uh, And I think maybe in my mock 2.0, I could have him going to Houston. Maybe a little spoiler. I don't know. I don't know. But right now I'm going to Pittsburgh. Uh, I think this is good value. I think this is a great pick for Pittsburgh if they can get him here at 17. Detroit back on the board. Yeah, I mean, this is tough, but I feel like, oh, this would be a nightmare. Oh, Detroit's got to get a boost on offense. A lot of rumors of DeAndre Swift's future in doubt. They're going to pull the trigger on maybe the best running back prospect we've seen in the last 10 years. And they're going to take Bijan Robinson, Woo! the team 
Yep, the team up with DeAndre Swift for maybe just one year, and then he'll be a full workhorse the year after. But, man, can you imagine just being opposing defenses and going against B. John Robinson, DeAndre Swift, um, Amon Ross St. Brown? I mean, whoo, Jamison Williams spreading the field. I mean, a year from now, they could take a quarterback. And it's like Detroit's doing all the right things, and I feel like they have the luxury at this point. Uh, to take Robinson, I mean, he's an absolute stud. So I love it. Um, this is just a pick. I could easily see Michael Mayer even being the pick if he was still available to replace yep. Hawkinson. But, yeah, I think Detroit's going to go Bijan here. I mean, Bijan, I could see him going to Detroit, Tampa, one of those spots. You know, Tampa just moved off Fournette. Who knows if they believe in Rashad White long term. So, yeah, I mean, Bijan here, at this point, Detroit is just best player available. Okay, I like it. I got them going Keon White, defensive lineman out of Georgia Tech. I think they're going to okay. bolster it up. Uh, they could go Breesy, Brian Bree- what is How do you pronounce his last name? Brian, I, I think it's Breesy. I mean, he, I he's Brian a guy Breesy. that's really falling down the boards. Yeah, he is. And I think that's why they'll go Keon White. Uh, I think, yeah, I think they're going to go Keon White here. 19. I have Philadelphia here at 19. Remember, they traded him. Okay. So I'll let you go first. Yeah, um, you know, Tampa Bay, this is a really tough spot, but um, I think they're going to lose Jameel Dean in free agency. Um, So th- they're going to have a little bit of a hole at corner, and I feel like this is a really good spot to take Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. This is okay. a really good pick for Tampa. He was the highest-graded corner in college football last year for, by PFF. He had, like, a grade of, like, 87. Uh, you know, you mix him into a young secondary – with Anton Winfield Jr., Sean Bunting, I believe his name is, is another guy. I mean, they're going to – Todd Bowles is going defense. So, I mean, Emmanuel Forbes, insert him in right away because there's no way that Jameel Dean is going to return to Tampa Bay. He's going to get about 18 to 20 a year. Like He's the cornerback one in free agency. Tampa's not paying that, so they got to replace him with Emmanuel Forbes here. Forbes, great Great pick. I love him. I would love for him to be a Minnesota Viking at 23, but I just – I don't think he's going to make it there. So, sit back. You know, Tampa Bay is just – with Todd Bowles, they're going to go defense, and I feel like he's the best defensive player still on the board. Okay. All right. I got Brian Breesey here going to Philadelphia. I think Howie Roseman just continues to win. They're going to bolster it up. You know, I think they're going to lose Javon Hargrave in free agency, and they're going to go Breesey here, and I just – I don't I think that this is someone that they easily could have taken at 10. And it's just like Howie Roseman always wins. And I don't like once I think it's either DB here for Philly or I think it's D line here for Philly. Like those are two positions that you can never have too much of. You can continue to get deep and they're gonna lose a couple of the older guys. And you already got Jordan Davis there. Fletcher Cox clock is only ticking. And so I think Brian Breesy goes to Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I love that pick, Brian Breesy. I mean, he he's a tricky guy to evaluate because he. I think he's on the smaller end. I think he's like a five ten, five eleven, D tackle. You know, and you you just don't see that too often. Um. So yeah, I mean, I love that pick. He to me, he's so hard to evaluate because he easily could go top ten, top fifteen, top twenty. I mean, could we see Seattle at twenty double dip at defensive tackles? Who knows. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick a lot for Philly. And, you know, Philly's going to need to find the heir apparent soon to Fletcher Cox. And Brian Breesey and Jordan Davis together for the next five, seven years is pretty damn good, if you yeah. ask me. Exactly. He's 6'5". 
Is he? I always thought he looked so much smaller on tape. Six five, three hundred. So a little skinny, a little more, a little smaller and okay. for someone. Okay, okay, high. yeah. I just remember him. He just looks so small on tape. Yeah. All right, Seattle. I have you. You still have Seattle here at twenty, right? Yes. I think we're. I think we're good then on drafts or trades. I think everything from here on out, except for I do have one trade late in the late in the draft. One more left. Okay. But, uh, Seattle here. I have them going Kayle Ringo. Um, it just seems like a Pete Carroll guy, someone he can place anywhere in the defense. Uh, you saw it last year with uh, what's his name out of UTSA. Literally, could he was up for defensive player rookie of the year? What's his name? Oh, Tariq Woolen. I think yeah, his name Tariq is Woolen. Someone like a bigger body, six four. Kayla Ringo, six two. Pete Carroll just loves those long, tall, physical defensive backs. Uh, and I think they're going to go Kayla Ringo here. Someone you can place at the nickel, place at safety, place at DB. Uh, just an expendable guy, and I think Pete Carroll is going to be ecstatic to have Jalen Carter and Kayla Ringo to add to a lethal weapon, a lethal offense last year, and as well as uh, a defense that's on the rise. So I think Kayla Ringo and Jalen Carter, if you walk away with them at five and 20, I think it's a win. I love it. I have them going offense at this point. I don't know what they'll double dip, but I feel like they, they really want to beef up that offensive line, especially the interior. I have them going Osiris Torrance here. He'll slide in day one at left tackle. I mean, Seattle. Um, My pick nine. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, he's just – he makes so much sense to me because you got your left tackle and Charles Cross, check. You move Cyrus Torrance in at left guard, check. Um, I forgot who they have at center. I, Justin Britt might be moving on. But then you got Damian Lewis at right guard, and then I believe you have Abraham Lucas at right tackle. Yep. And boom. You got a pretty damn good offensive line in a core that you got to have that you have moving forward. Um, Gino's got to get protection, um, and they're going to need to create an absolute wall <laughs> of men for uh, Kenneth Walker to run through. Because I think Kenneth Walker is going to be a stud for the next four or five years, where you're going to have to build through the trenches. And you know that's just what Seattle does. They just they always draft the most boring position possible, whether it's the first round, second round or whatever, but then they're always so impactful. It makes no sense, but man, that's one hell of a front office. I'll tell you. All right. LA chargers. Who you got? Yeah, this is a dream scenario for the chargers. Um, You know, Keenan Allen's getting a little older. You got Mike Williams. Who's got some back issues. So why not plan for the future and draft your Herbert's wide receiver one for the next decade? That's Jordan Addison, wide receiver, USC. He'll slide in day one. And even though Keenan Allen staying, Keenan Allen could finally just stay in the slot primarily. And you could have Williams and Addison on the outside. And, man, are they cooking on offense. If you want to beat Kansas City, you need weapons. And Jordan Addison fits the bill. He's the most complete receiver in the draft, best route runner, best hands. I mean, he made Kenny Pickett into a first-round pick a year ago. So, I mean, he's just one heck of a player, and Addison fits the bill for me. Absolute stud. Uh, the Chargers are very happy right now with how the board fell. I have him going receiver, but I already had Addison off the board, so I think that they will take, in my eyes, wide receiver two, Jackson Smith and Jimbo. I like it. I love it. The reason I didn't have Smith and Jigba here was because I know Keenan Allen's got the slot pretty much locked up, and – JSN just has not shown me enough that he could play on the outside. 
Yeah, 100%. don't know if he can. I know we had the same argument for Jefferson, but JSN again, like I said at the very beginning of the show, is just too many question marks for me. I understand totally. I think that I think maybe it's just because I'm rooting for him. Maybe I am biased. Maybe I just want him in Chicago, and that's why I'm hyping him up a lot like this. I seem to do that. Um, I just I I don't know. I think that I think he's he's got the intangibles. Ohio State breeds receivers. If you go there, odds are you're working out in the NFL. And I I just see this working out for JSN, and I think uh, um, Kellen Moore is going to have a field day with all of these guys. Regardless, if they get Addison as well, Jesus Christ. All right, Baltimore here at 22, maybe in Mach 2.0, they're not. Uh, but I have them find I think Broderick Jones finally goes off the board here at 22, offensive tackle to Baltimore. That's a surprising pick, I will say. I figured that they go receiver, but I guess a lot of this does depend if Lamar Jackson is still there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if Roger Jones will be on the board, truthfully. I, I feel like he'll go much higher. But, I mean, if he's on the board here, uh, you know, I still think that, that that's a really solid pick for Baltimore because mm-hmm. you got – um, who do you have a left tackle? Is is it uh, – what's his, what's his name from Notre Dame? It's been so good for so long. Ronnie Stanley. R- Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, if you get Stanley Linderbaum at center and then Broderick Jones here at right tackle, I mean, that's that's one hell of an offensive line to build around for the next few years. I like the pick, but um, I got him going wide receiver. I feel like they're finally going to get Lamar some weapons. Why not keep this man in purple? And they're going to go TCU wide receiver Quinton Johnston here. Okay. Johnston and Bateman, I think it would be a really good duo together. Uh, Bateman, I like him, but he's not an alpha. He's just not an alpha. Quentin Johnson is at Quentin Johnson is absolutely an alpha. And I would love to see Lamar finally have some red zone options. And I feel like this takes some pressure off Bateman as well, where Bateman can maybe take some time in the slot and he'd just be more of a guy that can spread the field. While Johnston is just a guy that you can just use everywhere. And he gives Lamar a, a big body weapon. So yeah, okay. I'm going Baltimore wide receiver there. Okay, I love it. I love it. I could easily see them doing that. I In this mock, I have Broderick Jones available easily in my mock 2.0. I could see him being off the board before that uh, and them going wide receiver. But 23, Thomas's team's finally up. The Minnesota Vikings. And who did you say you would love in Minnesota at 23 earlier, Thomas? Well, I don't think it's going to be the guy. Unfortunately, um, I think based off how the board falls here, I'm trying to take my bias out of it, of what I of what I truly believe Minnesota would do. They love guys who come from big schools. You brought Brian Flores over here. He's had success in New England, success in Miami, and you got to fix that defense. <clears throat> and I'm going Brian Branch, corner slash safety from Alabama. This is such a Flores type guy where he's a guy that could be your eventual safety that with Lewis seen, he could be your heir apparent to Harrison Smith who could be gone this off season or a year from now, but he could also be your day one nickel corner as well. I really like Brian branch. He's a guy that does all the right things, right? I mean, he is just such a crisp player. And I think after last year's draft with how it ended up for Quazy, a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries for Adolfo Mensa in his draft with Andrew Booth, Lewis seen, just oh it was just so many injuries where i think brian branch is a, is a good guy they're they need to find a young core on defense and it's starting start to take some shape you got lewis seen you got andrew booth you got brian asamoa and now you got brian branch 
where you got four out of your 11 guys that you're starting to kind of figure out a little bit of a young quarter here. Big, you know, he's not big, but he plays big, if that makes any sense. Oh, 100%. Brian Branch is just, he reminds me a lot of like, I'm trying to think of who's like a really good comparison for him. I don't want to say like Quandre Diggs, but like he, he he's kind of like one of those guys that is just so versatile and he just knows where to find the ball. And he's a hell of a tackler. He just he keeps his head down and he does all the right things right. I think JSN would be a heck of a pick here for the Vikings, but I just feel like they really just need to address that defense. And I don't know if they're going to pull the trigger just yet, where I feel like they could find someone on day day two, day three to be a wide receiver where they're going to run it back with Thielen one more time. He'll probably restructure. You got KJ Osborne, you got Jalen Naylor. I mean, it's just, I don't know if wide receivers necessarily a need when that defense just really needs to be beefed up a little bit. Speaking of Jalen Naylor, I just pulled his autograph card today. I'm getting really into sports cards and I just pulled his auto today. So I have an autographed Jalen Naylor card now. Um, I have you guys taking Emmanuel Forbes and I know you're going to love this. Pick. Love it. You would love Forbes being there at 23, and I have him exactly going there. Uh, I wouldn't enjoy it because that means Minnesota gets better, but I think this is great value for Forbes. And uh, a guy whose name hasn't been talked about too much, at least from what I know, and I think he's going to fall right into Minnesota's hands at 23. 24, the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the board. I'm seeing a lot of talks about tight end here, Thomas. Who you got them going? I normally would have them go Dalton Kincaid, but I feel like they're going to bring Evan Ingram back. I think they'll tag him. Something's going to happen. So at this point, I think they're going to want to beef up that interior defensive line a little bit. And I think they're going to go Brian Breesey here. I really like that pick for the Jaguars. They went offense. I think they went a little offensive heavy in last year's draft. So I I feel like, you know, Brian Breesey at this spot just makes a lot of sense. You want to team him up with, uh, uh, with uh, Walker, or was it Walker? Is it, I don't want to say Taewon Walker, but Tavon Walker, who was the number one overall pick last year. You got Josh Allen on the defense, on the edge as well. I mean, I could easily see corner here as well. Kelly Ringo would be a really nice fit there. But I think Brian Breesey, I think they want to fix that defensive line because they were pretty close to being Kansas City. They just couldn't stop Pacheco late in that game. So I think they're going to look for Breesey to stop the gap a little bit. Okay. I have them going Quentin Johnson, wide receiver. I think that they're I think, you know, you got five eleven Christian Kirk. And on the other side, you're gonna add what is he, six four, six five, Quentin Johnston. I think yeah. that they're gonna do everything in their power to make Trevor Lawrence a top five quarterback, which he arguably could fall into that category after this season. They're gonna get him another weapon, and Doug Peterson's gonna have a field day with these guys. I think they're gonna go nuts, and I think they just want to compete, and we've seen teams like Cincinnati just, you know, add a wide receiver in the draft and then become a Super Bowl favorite almost. And I think that that's what's going to happen here in uh, Jacksonville. And they're going to add Quentin Johnston, T-Law, Kirk, Ingram. I agree they're going to keep Ingram, and that's why I don't think that they go Kincaid here. And I think that they're going to get Quentin Johnson and go nuts. I like it. I like it. Twenty-five wide receivers here in a row, Thomas. I love. I mean, I I have wide receiver to the Giants. I mean, this is best case scenario. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jig was on the board, and Daniel Jones, and then they finally get their wide receiver one. 
I've mentioned JSN a lot in this podcast, and he is just – he's a very good player. He's someone who they need. Wandale Robinson is a very good player as well. They could even trade for DeAndre Hopkins and mix all these guys together and just have an absolute juggernaut offense. I would love to see it. So, yeah, I say, you know, Giants, JSN, I think that's a match made in heaven. He's my fourth wide receiver off the board. Maybe next our next mock, he'll, uh, you know, take it off my mind. You know, maybe he'll move up a little bit based off how he tests. But, yeah, I love JSN here to the Giants. I think that's the best fit of the entire first round of all the wide receivers. It's just – it feels such a need. Mm-hmm. I got them going Zay Flowers. Okay. Uh, I think that obviously they need to address the wide receiver position. Uh, and Zay Flowers is a dog. I think that you could really swap out any of these wide receivers anywhere. Uh, obviously, you had Zay Flowers going first overall to New England. It does seem like more of a New England pick. Don't think anyone else is going to maybe reach on him that high. But uh, I think, you know, any of those top four that I have now off the board uh, could really, you know, depending on how the combine goes and their pro day goes, just yep. vary all over the place. And uh, Dallas, who you got? This is tough because I have no idea what Dallas is going to do. I really have no clue. But um, I think they'll just take best player available. I think they'll go stick to defensive line with Dan Quinn there. This guy might be my favorite defensive lineman in the entire draft outside of Jalen Carter. But it's Kalijah Cansey from Pittsburgh. He had a 92.5 PFF grade. He's a three-tech who had like eight sacks. Okay. Uh, absolutely. I absolutely love him. He's someone I would love for Minnesota to target if they traded back in the first round. So, yeah, I mean, he's just a guy who fills a really big hole, I think, for Dallas. I think Dallas could – they're a team that, yeah, you got Demarcus Lawrence, you got these guys, but I think you need another blue-chip cornerstone piece on defense, a team up with Micah Parsons, Trayvon Diggs, and all these guys. So I would love to see Cansey end up in Dallas. Okay, I have them going Jalen Hyatt. Okay. They need a deep threat. Could totally see it. Exactly. Uh, Tolbert was out the entire last uh, – Jalen Tolbert out the entire year last year, I'm pretty sure. Healthy scratch every week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they need a wide receiver. They need another wide receiver to go against uh, – to go across from C.D. Lamb. Uh, Dak Prescott had a very down year, as good as Dallas was. Um, they need to add, you know, Noah Brown – as you know, impressive as he was for who he is and being a seventh round pick and all, they need another, they need a true wide receiver too. And I have them going Jalen Hyatt. Buffalo Bills. Yeah, this is uh this is tough because I really don't know where, where Buffalo could go anywhere. So I think you know this might be a reach on this guy, but I think it fills an immediate need. Josh Allen needs a center. Going okay. John Michael Schmitz for Minnesota. He's gonna put on a show at the combine an absolute show and he's gonna skyrocket the boards so i think john michael schmidt he's your center for the next decade i might even put him over tyler lindenbaum who i was just drooling over last year because i thought he was such a great prospect okay but yeah you know we had jsn earlier we got jms here now and john michael schmidt this guy's gonna be a difference maker for buffalo and they already have a good offensive line as it is he'll take over he's josh allen center next decade okay i like it um i have them i you know i uh what is it jordan poyer potentially uh not returning i have them going antonio johnson db safety I like it. uh shit where's he out of again texas a&m yep a&m 
Uh, yeah, I have them going DB. It's just another team who has a loaded roster and just could use another safety, especially if Poyer doesn't return. Uh, and yeah, they had Kyrie Alam last year, who's what healthy scratched like multiple times throughout the middle of the season. So no, no, no Kyrie Elam, he ended up playing a lot because of uh, I think uh, Tre'Davious White was coming back from an injury, so he played a lot early on in the year. But I think come playoff time, he was he moved more into like that nickel role, so he wasn't really seen a lot on the outside. It wasn't there like a two week span where he got healthy scratched though. It's possible. It's possible. I didn't pay. I'll be honest. I didn't pay too much attention to Buffalo Bills football yeah. <laughs> late in the year. Yeah. But I just remember reading about how their like fifth round DB was playing better or something like that, and that they uh, healthy scratched him a couple times. But I think they go safety here. Uh, you can never have too many defensive backs when your team's loaded. Uh, you always want to have the best player out in the field, and if you can figure that out with all the guys that you have, I like to pick for them. Cincinnati, going with my tight end one here. I'm going with Dalton Kincaid. Okay. Absolutely love this addition for Cincinnati. Uh, who knows what's going on with Joe Mixon? So Joe Burrow's going to need a bunch of weapons. He really is. Yeah, um, I love Kincaid because I, I just feel like he is the best pure passer. Like, <laughs> oh my son, like I'm quarterback, but I think he's the best pure pass catching uh, tight end in this class. I love Michael Mayer, but Michael Mayer is more of a guy who I think is like a Kyle Rudolph guy. You know, he, very complete, very George Kittle like. Where now I, I see, you know, Kincaid, I view as a Travis Kelsey. You can use them all over the field. You can play them in the slot, the outside. You could do some toss passes. You could put them in the backfield. I mean, he's just a weapon out there. And if you put, if you if you watch his tape, I mean, he was phenomenal, just phenomenal at Utah. At Utah. So I love the pick. I think whenever you could ha- add Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Dalton Kincaid for Burrow to throw to, I mean, that's just a recipe for success. You, you got to score points in this league. I hope he doesn't because I want to draft Kincaid at like 3.2, which would be like pick 22. Uh, yeah. for time, man. And I think if he ends up in Cincinnati, that's going to. But at the same time, I have Jamar Chase as well. So like it wouldn't, I wouldn't really like that at all. So I kind of want Kincaid to go somewhere else. Uh, but I like to pick, I have him going to Juan Jones, offensive tackle. Uh, I think that they just could address the offensive line. You know, they still haven't fully protected Joe Burrow to their full ability um, and adding some offensive line depth. Maybe he doesn't go in there and start right away, but adding some depth to offensive line is never a bad thing for a team with this much power. And uh, especially a franchise quarterback like this. I have been going to Juan Jones, New Orleans. I'll be honest. I had no idea who to put here. I won't be shocked that they trade back, but I'm going Nolan Smith edge rusher from Georgia. Uh, they're probably going to lose Marcus Davenport in free agency. And if Nolan Smith didn't get hurt early in the season, I mean, this guy's probably a top 15 lock, truthfully. I mean, this this guy a year ago was projected to be a top five pick. So this is a good – this is really good value, I think, for New Orleans here. And they, they, they just got to add talent. That defense needs some work. Offense is going to be a mystery. I mean, who knows? If they don't get Derek Carr, I mean, who's to say they don't take a shot on Hendon Hooker at this spot? Yeah, and, that's risky. You know, I mean, I know he's old and risky, but it's like he would be under contract technically until he's 30. So before you have to pay him, you know, that if that's really the move you think could be had. But yeah, you know, I think New Orleans at this spot, this is the move to go. You, you go edge rusher, just take talent. Okay. Uh, I got them going Tuli Tui Puluto. Tu- 
Is that the is that the edge rusher from USC? Yes. All right, all right. I like it. I like it. I tried to pronounce his name correctly. Tui Tui Tuli Tua Paluto. Pulu Pilato. Pilato. How that will drive New Orleans fans crazy. They already got that little southern, you know, crawl down there. Uh that southern draw. So I'm sure them trying to pronounce that name will drive them nuts. But yeah. It's just such a weird scenario going on yeah. in New Orleans. They're loaded at wide receiver with Chris Olave. Don't think Michael Thomas will be back. Uh, and I don't actually, Jarvis, they're not actually loaded at wide receiver. They could go anywhere, really. I don't know what's best for them uh, because it seems like they have just needs everywhere in my eyes. But I think Thule, yeah, I'm not going to try and say his name again. That's They're going with the defensive lineman out of USC. Trade alert, pick 30. I love it. I've noticed John Robinson has not been taken yet. Philadelphia trades back again, and they go in Arizona, moves up a few spots, and gets Bajan Robinson. That's juicy. I, I like that a lot. I really do. Air, but I don't know if Arizona would do that with James Conner still on the board or you know still on their contract. I don't know. They have a lot of needs. I don't know if running backs one of them. That's that's tough. I can see a team. Like the Raiders moving up if they want to move off Jacobs or maybe like the Rams, you know, because imagine the because you remember what what McVay or like no, this is honestly a dream scenario here would be Carolina moving up from 36 or 39 to get Bijan Robinson. You know, you had McCaffrey before. Now I get Bijan here. But I think under this scenario, I would have a really hard time seeing Philadelphia not take Bijan Robinson at 30 knowing that Miles Sanders is a free agent. Um, I think Philly should take a running back here, which is why for me, at pick 30, I have them staying. And I have them taking Jameer Gibbs. Yes! I love Jameer Gibbs, man. I I love Jameer Gibbs. He is such a good running back. And I feel like he's going to translate really well, and he could be like an Alvin Kamara-esque guy. You know, this is just – this is such a great – move for Howie Roseman if he could pull this off because he's so much better than Miles Sanders he's like if you put Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell like together they're still not as good as Jameer Gibbs like that's just how high I am on Jameer Gibbs he's this is a no-brainer for Philadelphia at 30 absolutely love it all right in the last pick of the first round only 31 this year thanks to them dirty motherfuckers in Miami uh, I got them going Aziz Ojolari's brother, BJ, in Kansas City, Edge. Uh, it's just another one of those teams, Super Bowl champions, complete roster. Yeah, they took Carl Laftis last year, but once again, get depth at the edge position, get to the passer. Uh, I won't be surprised if they go DB here. It seems like they always go like DB. And like like, it's just like they, they there's not a massive need in Kansas City. You're a Super Bowl champion. You can kind of do whatever you want. Give your middle finger to anyone you want. I think they go BJ Ojulari here. Okay. Add from LSU. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City's in a weird spot because what do they really need? They had so much production from, like, eight of their draft picks from a year ago in the Super Bowl. Um, I'm going Deontay Banks, corner from Maryland here. Um, You you, you took Trent McDuffie a year ago. Uh, I think Ladarius Need is still there, but you still need another guy on the outside. And I think Deon and Deontay Banks fills that need. Um, it's it's a really good pick, I think, for Kansas City here. And you know, it's just the rich keep getting richer. I really wanted to put Jalen Hyatt here 
to kind of have him mixed in with Kadarius Tony and those guys. But um, nah, I think Kansas City might find a way to resign Juju. So um, I'm keeping it steady for now, and I'm just going defense because I think they you got to add more defense. You saw what they did to Philly in the Super Bowl. Like they didn't do much. Like like their offense won it for them. Like your defense, you gave up 35 points to Philly. They got to crisp that up a little bit. Trent McDuffie and when AJ Brown caught that touchdown in the Super Bowl, I mean they just they just didn't have the size, and I think Deontay Banks brings that to the table. All right, I like the pick. I like the pick. Uh, I really can't go wrong with anything going to Kansas City or like those back end teams like that. You know, really just look to add some depth. Really, at the end of the day, for all those positions, somehow get better. Uh, but yeah, I love it. That was mock draft one Everyone, Thomas, much appreciated as always. Uh, I'm sure we'll be back post combine. Well, we're not going to give you an immediate mock post-combine, but within the next few weeks, we'll be coming back with our mock 2.0. Hopefully, we have some trades, some draft trades off the board, so we kind of know what's going on maybe a little bit better. Uh, But, yeah, that was mock draft 1.0. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you back soon. Peace.